You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. Have you ever wondered... What would the me of 10 years ago think about the me of today? Like, <laughs> well, that's the question. That's the question. Is, has, has that person over time grown in love, grown in fidelity to Christ? Or if, if you're honest, has that person grown in kind of a bit of an edge? Have you, have you gained a bit of a, a jaded edge based on the things that you see in the world around you? Um, I think it's a good question. It's, it's an even better question if you've been following Jesus for a long time, right? If you've been following Jesus for 10, 15, 20 years, it, it's good to kind of look back and say, okay, where was I and, and where am I heading towards? Like, what is the trajectory of my life? Is my heart actually growing in love towards God? And, and it's not a question you want to ask out of any kind of self-condemnation. It's just a question you want to ask to kind of be able to evaluate is the, is the work of Christ um, noticeable in my life? Is it bearing good fruit? Paul, uh, t- today we're going to talk about holiness of mind. And Paul coins a phrase for this in 1 Corinthians 2. He calls it the mind of Christ. So when we think about holiness of mind, we want to think about developing the mind of Christ. To develop the mind of Christ, we need to understand the battlefield for the mind and how to fight that battle with divine power. Let me say that again. To to really um, develop the mind of Christ, we need to understand the battlefield of the mind and how to fight that battle with divine power. So um, let's begin by asking the question, what is the battlefield of the mind? Christian tradition has always taught that the three... um, Three enemies to human flourishing is the world, the flesh, and the devil. That's kind of been a standard in the Christian tradition. The world is not this physical earth. It's rather the systems of the world that have grown out of corrupt human uh, making in, in opposition of God's plans and purposes. The flesh is not physical bones and skin. It's, it's rather your soul... A soul turned inward upon itself so that the soul is really more concerned about what will gratify me rather than what is God's will and how can I please the Lord and how can I love those around me. Do do you see that? So that's the flesh. And then the devil. The devil is not a guy in red tights with a pitchfork, right? Christian tradition holds that he is an archangel who has fallen uh, from grace fallen in rebellion against God, and that he took with him uh, his minions, which were demonic, uh, now demonic angels, okay? And guys, this is important. Why? Because it means that evil is personal, right? It's not just some abstract concept. It's It's a person that is capable of thought and capable of plans that work in war against the plans and purposes of God. Do you see that? So the three enemies of the human flourishing is the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
With that being said, I want to look today at how these things have some sense of interplay, okay? Because they're rarely just one isolated uh, apart from the other. So I want to kind of look at how there's interplay. And to do so, I want to look at a, a, a noticeable evil, an evil that we would all agree, yeah, that's evil. So we're going to start with transatlantic slave trade from Africa. Was this an evil of the world? Was it an evil of the flesh? Or was it an evil of the devil? The right answer is yes, right? Okay. It was certainly an evil of the world. It was an evil system, right, that the British Empire developed um, to basically serve the needs of the haves and to widen the the disparity between the haves and the have-nots, right? But it was also a system of the flesh, right? Evil systems of the world don't grow out of a vacuum, right? They grow out of corrupt flesh. So it wasn't simply systemic injustice by itself. It was personal. It was slave owners who liked the fact that they didn't have to do the hard work of their slaves, right? The slaves could do the hard work for them. They wanted to be served rather than to serve, which is the absolute opposite of Jesus, right? But of course, the devil hates humanity. Why does the devil hate humanity? For God's creation. More importantly, we are God's image bearers. We bear the image of the God that he hates, right? Okay, so do you think that the devil was not at least somewhat excited about the fact that he could build a system that would dehumanize men and women, image bearers of God, into mere property? Absolutely, right? So I want you to notice that it happens on a corporate level, but I also want to kind of break it down to an individualistic level, okay? It's something that might actually have a little more teeth to it in our day-to-day world. I want to take a, talk about that angry coworker at your job who we will now call John. Don't mention his real name. Okay. <laughs> is, is John... Um, is his anger rooted in the world, the flesh, or the devil? Probably, again, the answer is yes. Okay, Why? Because John probably grew up in a family system, a system of this world that was characterized by anger. Right? He may have had a father who used to blow up and rage against his mom, maybe even hit him and his siblings. And so for years, he grew up in a, with a lot of fear. But then his teenage years happened, and testosterone started flowing through his veins. And guess what? That anger, or excuse me, that fear turned into anger, right? And now, uh, guys, the thing to think about is, so he's not just systemic. Now it's internalized, right? Now it's in his flesh, okay? But it's also a work of the devil, Jesus said, the thief comes to kill or to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you think the enemy had it in mind to steal John's childhood through his dad's anger? Absolutely. Do you think the enemy has it in mind to kill John's marriage through John's own anger and maybe his wife's passivity? Absolutely. And do you think that the enemy wants to destroy generations beyond John, his future generations, by perpetuating this basically family curse of anger. Absolutely. Okay. So what I want you to notice is that whether you're talking about this on a global scale with something like slavery, 
or whether you're talking on it in, in an individual level, it's the same enemies of human flourishing. It's the world, the flesh, and the devil. So with that in mind, I want to ask, how do we deal with that? You see, Paul said, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. To paraphrase Tim Keller, Paul is not saying that your battle is never against flesh and blood. What he's really saying is your battle is not only against flesh and blood, right? So if we're going to wage war well, we have to work from a, from a higher place. And so, guys... If the enemy is constantly working to deform the image bearers of God through and build godless systems that promote and live off of human greed and objectification, the question becomes, how do we deal with that? How do we overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil so that we can develop the mind of Christ? It's a valid question, right? So that's where we're going today. To have the mind of Christ, we have to learn to think like Jesus. And Jesus thought according to the kingdom of God. When he sent out his apostles, he told them, As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and drive out demons. What's the point? Jesus saw sickness, untimely death, leprosy, demonic oppression as signs of the dominion of darkness. Right, So when he sends out his apostles, his sent ones, to carry the message of the kingdom of God, it is a military uh, offensive, right? It is the, the kingdom of God confronting the dominion of darkness to reclaim territory that belongs to King Jesus. Does that make sense? So guys, church is supposed to be a microcosm of heaven, right? It's supposed to be this place where Jesus is king. And most of the time, people come to church with that kind of mindset, that kind of expectation. Hey, these are people that love Jesus, so they're going to love me, right? But here's the thing. Each of us, to some degree, is a little bit like our coworker John, right? We've internalized the negative systems of our world, right? Some of us have been dealing with demonic oppressive thoughts for a long time and so we're carrying all these all this baggage in through the doors and we just say welcome to mosaic grab a cup of coffee <laughs> what i hope you recognize is that there's a reason why community is harder than you often think right and there's a reason why community in a church is often harder than your soccer league or community with your book club. Why? Because the enemy doesn't have near as much interest in thwarting what's going on there. But a place where the image bearers of God are reclaiming what it means to be made in the image of God, man, that is something the enemy would love to thwart. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So guys, um, I want to go back to Heather's, the, the passage Heather read. It, Mosaic, we say the best way to Engage a message is with a Bible, something to write with and something to write on. And we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to pick it up in verse 2. Paul states this, I beg that when I come to you, I might not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. If you're thinking the world, the flesh, and the devil, what is Paul starting to talk about? 
the world, right? Systems of this world. Although we're only getting half of the conversation, apparently Paul thinks that there are some people in the Corinthian church who believe that you can kind of enmesh the systems of the world, the success of this world with the systems uh, or, or with what it means to follow Jesus, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago, that it's so easy to want to take the kingdom of America and kind of make the kingdom of God, um, kind of mesh it with the kingdom of God, right? Jesus is not a real fan of that, okay? So he starts with thinking about systems, but no, notice that he sees this as a spiritual issue. When you look at verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power, underline divine power, to demolish strongholds. Let's talk about strongholds for a minute. I'm not trying to impress you, but I did some research, meaning I looked it up on the interwebs. And a stronghold is a fortified place which is dominated by a particular group or marked by a particular characteristic. So what is a spiritual stronghold? It's a place in the human person that is dominated by a spirit other than the Holy Spirit. This means that when it comes to dealing with spiritual strongholds, people need more than better information. Now, I want you to think about that. When you're dealing with someone who has a stronghold, they need more than simply better information. So John, your coworker, you could tell him, hey man, your anger is destroying your friendships and your family. But if he has a stronghold of anger, simply that information is not going to be like, man, I just didn't know that. That was just some random epiphany to me, right? Uh, on, on the same token, if somebody is dealing with a stronghold of lust... Um, simply telling them, hey, the Bible says you shouldn't look at porn is probably not going to help them. Actually, it's going to probably do them more harm than good. Why? Because it's just going to amp up shame in their life, a shame that they're already dealing with, okay? So, guys, um, we need what Paul is talking about. We need something that will demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, so that we can take thought or every captive thought that is uh, disobedient to Christ. So now you may be thinking, demolishing spiritual strongholds, that sounds a bit um, sounds a bit metaphysical. It sounds a bit like, what does this have to do with everyday life, right? But the truth is, guys, this is just basic Christianity. It's just basic learning to uh, repent, confess your sins, and then enforce the victory of the cross of Christ. And so that's what I really want to look at today. Friends, my dad used to tell me that God hates sin because it harms the people that he loves, right? God is a good father, and so he hates things that harms his kids. The truth is, guys, sin can open up spiritual doors that leads us down very dark roads, Okay? That's what, that's what sin does. But by the blood of Christ, we can be set free. So a few years ago, a couple came to me, and they told me that they thought their house was haunted. The, um, so I invited them to just, you know, come to the church and let's, you know, spend some time talking about what's going on. So they came, and they told me that uh, at night, they would hear all these weird sounds in the, in the master bedroom. They'd moved into this older home. And 
and that the wife in particular would see this ghostly figure in the corner. And um, so I said, well, that's, that's interesting. And um, I, I told them, I said, guys, I said, I'll come over to your house after work and we'll pray over the house. Uh, but between now and then, I want y'all to have a conversation to talk about anything that, man, you just know you need to repent of. That just any, any way you need to clean this house before we clean your physical house. Does that make sense? So I came over after work. Uh, one thing to note, this couple, like so many during COVID, had just fallen away from the church. And that's why I was like, you know, I'm kind of disconnected from them. And so I just like to start with some confession. And so they, um, we sat down and they were just so humble and so kind. And they just talked through the situation. And, and they said, you know, Chris, we just, as we've talked about it, we know God is not first in our life. We know we've kind of put Jesus on the back burner. And so we just spent some time confessing that, repenting, and asking God to, to forgive them. And then we went back to the master bedroom. And I just uh, said, guys, let's just pray. And let's just listen for the Holy Spirit and just ask him what he would have us do. So we started praying. And I just said, Lord, just please show us what's going on. And then we're just listening. And I get this word, a spirit of fear. So I decided I would just call it out. I said, in the name of Jesus, spirit of fear, if you're here, I command you to reveal yourself. The woman immediately got nauseous. The room started spinning for her, so she just kind of laid down on the bed. Not a rocket scientist, but I felt like we might be on to something at this point. <laughs> so um, I figured the next thing we should do is cast that that joker out. So I said, in the mighty name of Jesus, spirit of fear, I command you to leave and go straight to Jesus for the judgment and bother her no more. And guess what happened? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> she, she was just as nauseous. The room was just as, you know, spinning. So we did it again. In the name of Jesus, I command you, spirit of fear, leave her and go straight to Jesus for the judgment and bother her no more. Nothing. She's still queasy and the room's spinning and I just want to say this as a pastor, man, when your prayer life is leading people to feel sick and dizzy, it's like, you're like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is good. This is going someplace. Um, so I said, guys, I said, um, we don't need to yell at demons. King Jesus is far greater than demons. I said, let's just pray and just ask God what he would have us do. And so we just prayed and we just listened. And when we asked the Lord, Lord, just show us what to do. This thought came through my mind. I remembered that they said in passing, we really didn't spend any time in confession on it. It just kind of it was it's just something they said in passing that they love to watch horror movies. And I said, guys, I feel like the Holy Spirit is showing me that because y'all love to watch horror movies, you're giving a legal right for the spirit of fear to be here. And in, until you guys repent of this, there's really not much we can do. To their, uh, to their credit, they immediately got together. They started praying, asking for God to forgive them and to just set them free from the spirit of fear and just repenting of watching horror movies. So then I tried for the third time. In the name of Jesus, I command you, spirit of fear, leave her and never return. Go straight to Jesus for the judgment. And guess what happened? Immediately. She stopped feeling queasy. Immediately the room stopped spinning. King Jesus had done it again. 
King Jesus sets the captives free. That's, that's what he does, right? Friends, the truth is, um, the, fr- the truth is Jesus' death on the cross has paid the price. We no longer have to live under any oppression of the enemy. Why? Because he's done it, right? He has finished the work. His blood atones for sin. But the truth is, if we continue in sin, we keep opening doors for the enemy to come on in, right? Sin, God hates sin because it harms the people that he loves. It opens up doors that are really dark. But here's the thing, guys. Deliverance ministry is not about demons. Deliverance ministry, if if you do this stuff, you're really not interested in demons, You're interested in King Jesus. King Jesus is far more powerful. He's far greater. And and so nothing can stand against him. And so all all that ministry is is really enforcing the victory of the cross because King Jesus is worthy. So guys, um, that couple, they've never heard or seen anything paranormal in their house ever since. Um, But a couple of years later, the wife came to me and told me something really interesting. She said, you know, Chris, before that demon was cast out, all I loved was horror movies. The scarier, the better. I just craved it. She said, since that demon was cast out, not only do I not, uh, not only do we not watch horror movies, I don't crave it. I don't want it. It was almost as if something within her was craving something of the enemy. So, guys, I know this is a kind of extreme story, But to be honest with you, I could tell you tons of stories of people who have repented of their sins, been forgiven by the blood of Christ, and then we've dealt with spiritual strongholds and and seen King Jesus set them free. So what I hope you're beginning to recognize is that developing holiness in mind is not... Uh, it's, it's more than just changing your mind. It starts there. That's repentance, right? We change the way we think about things. But it's more than that. It's, it, sometimes it, it requires doing spiritual battle, but it's a battle that King Jesus always wins if we will let him. Amen. So now you may be asking, Chris, um, is, does every sin lead to a demonic stronghold? That's a good question. And the answer is no. Paul says this, in your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. There are footholds and strongholds. As Methodists, we believe in band meetings. Band meetings are small groups of people of the same gender. So it's typically three or four people. And you come together and you confess your sin on a regular basis. Why would you do that? You don't want to let the enemy get a foothold in your life, right? And and friends, every life group comes with a confession element. And so I encourage you, get in a life group and, and, and really take confessing your sins to one another seriously, okay? If, if you want to, again, if you want to go beyond just the normal life group stuff into real deep waters, talk to me and I'll be happy to help you to kind of develop a band meeting so that you can kind of no holds barred, just put it all out there. But let me say this, friends. This is also why we tell people to deal with things directly. When someone hurts you, guess what you do? You don't go to your friend and tell them. You go to them and tell them, right? Okay, when, when you've hurt someone, guess what? You don't 
continue to hurt them, you go to them and you apologize. Why? Because we want to make sure that we don't give the enemy a foothold. Nothing destroys community more quickly than the spirit of offense, right? But if we'll deal with it earnestly and honestly and up front, guess what? We can continue to let King Jesus work and, and bring healing. So it, it, as I kind of bring this to an end, I want to talk about how we practically build the mind of Christ. Uh, and, and so as, as you consider this, I want you to think of this battleground of the world and the flesh and the devil as three concentric circles, um, which if you see this graphic, I'm not trying to brag, but I created that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, let me say this, that was probably harder than writing the sermon. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> For me, anyway. All right, so as we said earlier, to develop the mind of Christ, we must understand the battlefield for the mind and know how to fight battles with divine power. There are five practical steps for developing the mind of Christ. So as you consider these concentric circles, see these five steps as uh, kind of ways that we deal with each of the, the concentric circles. So I want to start with the idea of the world. How do we deal with the world so that we keep the world from infecting our souls? The first thing we want to do is we want to intentionally focus on whatever is good, noble, and pure. We want to focus on whatever is good, noble, and pure. And we want to develop a life of intentionality around that. Why? Because whatever is good and noble and pure are things that remind us of the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? So, guys, um, this could be obvious. This could be obvious, something like you know, keeping worship music playing in your car or listening to the Bible on you know, your phone. It also means stuff like participating in corporate worship. Right? Because when I come and I, I, I actually believe that more deliverances happen on Sunday mornings just in worship than anywhere else. Because what am I doing? I'm just opening up my soul to God, right? I'm, I'm re-anchoring myself or at least allowing God to re-anchor me into the, the greater community of God and the greater story of God. So, so I think that's really important. Let me say this. It also, focusing on whatever is noble and pure means that, um, well, let me say this. Let me say what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that I only watch Christian movies and I only listen to Christian music. I want you to think about that for a minute. It means that whatever I watch, even when I'm watching quote-unquote secular things or listening to secular music, I'm looking for kingdom value. I'm looking for whatever is good, noble, and pure. Why? Because all truth is God's truth. So there are things that people are producing that actually have kingdom truth in it, written and produced by people who do not know the king. But when I watch it, I want to be focused to, to find what is God doing. Having said that, I want to flip over to the other side of the coin. There are also some things in this life, many TV shows, many movies, many songs, that frankly have no place in the Christian's life. And we need to be a discerning people, okay? Why? Because some things just don't have redemptive value. All they're doing is promoting the systems of this world. And we need to have a sense of conscience that allows us to say, no, 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 that's, that was the old me. That's not, not now. So I need to have a fearless openness to let God begin to do some inventory in my life. 
right? I'm not swinging over to purity culture where I only listen to 88.3, but I'm also not opening up myself to things that just don't honor Jesus, okay? Next thing, if you're going to deal with the flesh, kind of the next concentric circle, you need to schedule and spend time alone with God in Scripture and in prayer. Notice I said the word schedule. Look at your neighbor and say schedule. Okay, this isn't I listen to worship music on the way to work. This isn't I let my Bible app play on my phone on the way to work. That was step one. This is step two, right? And let me say this. Scheduling is important. Why? Because, frankly, we spend as much time with God as we schedule to spend with Him, right? Guys, here's the truth. Hurry disconnects us from ourselves. And if we're disconnected from ourselves, how can we ever be present to God? Right? So, so, but when we slow down and we allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us, guess what? He begins to rewire our thinking so that we can begin to, to kind of understand the mind of Christ and, and let him develop that in us. Next thing I, I encourage you, as I said earlier, get in a group and take confession seriously. It's how we keep the enemy from ever developing a foothold in our life, much less a stronghold. If, you, if it's been a long time since you've really dealt with some stuff, I encourage you to find me or find Carolyn. We'd be happy to hear confession and let God work with you through that. Next thing is, um, the question is, what do you do if it's beyond a foothold? What do you do if the enemy has more of a stronghold in your life? I want to encourage you to talk to a pastor if you're dealing with a stronghold so that we can really spend some time in prayer with you. Guys, I want to ask this question. How do you know if you're dealing with a stronghold? If there's an area in your life that you really want to follow Jesus in, but you can't seem to do it, it's typically indicative of a stronghold. Like, you want to give sacrificially, but you can't seem to get past the fear of giving that way, it could be a stronghold. Or you want to not give in to anger, but you can't seem to get past, you know, being so kind of touchy about it. Well, it could be a stronghold. Or if... Um, you know, if, if you're struggling with purity and you can't seem to go two weeks without looking at porn, it could be a stronghold. So I encourage you just to find me or find Carolyn. Let us, let us work with you on it. Um, guys, so much of this stuff can go back, frankly, way before your Christian days. It can go back all the way to your childhood. And so it's complex stuff. And so to try to handle it on our own is just not wise. So I encourage you, find, find a pastor. And then the last thing I want to say is this. If you want to develop the mind of Christ, ask and keep asking for it. Here's the, bit, here's the thing, guys. You, reading scripture does not make you develop the mind of Christ. Prayer does not make you develop the mind of Christ. Confession does not make you develop the mind of Christ. Christ, through Scripture, helps you develop the mind of Christ. Christ, through prayer, helps you develop the mind of Christ. Christ, through confession, helps you to develop the mind of Christ. So it, it, I encourage you, just ask and keep asking for it. So I want you to stand as we think about, kind of. I want to finish where we started.
And Zach, if you could bring the lights down for us. Guys, I want to finish with where we started and just ask this question. If the person of 10 or 20 years ago was looking at you today, if you of 10 years ago was looking at you today, have you grown in love? Have you grown in peace? Have you grown in joy? Or would that person notice that you've kind of grown edgy, you've grown jaded, that there's, there's some anger in your soul? Wherever you are, whatever the answer is to that, the good news is God has made a provision for us to develop the mind of Christ. And that looks like letting him rewire us to think according to the kingdom of God. So as we step into prayer, I'm going to hold up those three things. I'm going to hold up the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us where these things may be operative in our own lives, right? And this is not about shame. It's not about fear. This is simply about dealing honestly before Christ. So let us pray. And we're just, again, going to kind of hold these things up and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us in, in the question. So Lord Jesus, we desire the mind of Christ. We desire the mind of Christ. And so, Lord, I'm asking you right now, Lord, we, we look at the systems of this world and we ask you to show us, each of us, individually, is there any area where the world has kind of infected our souls? Is there any area where, where we are maybe opening the door for the world uh, through entertainment, through... Um, how we use our money, whatever it is, God, I'm asking you to show our people, is, is there any place where they've opened the door for the world? Just open your heart before God. And if you need to come down to the front, feel free to. Feel free to come down and, and just do business with God. But just listen for him. Lord, is there any place of the world? Him, Lord, is there any place where our soul has turned inward upon itself, where we're more focused on ourselves and more focused on our own personal gain than, than King Jesus? place where the enemy has gained a bit of a stronghold in our lives.
friends, if, if anything came to mind, I just encourage you to confess it before the Lord and ask Him, just ask Him to forgive you, ask Him to set you free and, and do this as a preparation for receiving the body and blood of Christ. Jesus, we ask you in your grace and in your mercy, purify our hearts and minds from the things of the world. Recenter our souls upon you as King Jesus and deliver us from the evil one. And Lord, give us the mind of Christ. Lord, I pray that blessing over my friends. God, that the mind of Christ would govern our thought life, govern our, our thinking, um, our decision making. You would give us great discernment in that way, God. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.